0: Hi, welcome to The Guinea Pig, I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani, an oculoplastic surgeon and an aesthetic doctor.
1: And I'm Fiona Golfer, a writer and journalist. I'm no stranger to a cosmetic procedure and I'm willing to try pretty much anything.
0: Which is why I'm here to make sure Fiona and anyone else that's out there considering a treatment to help make a better informed decision safely and to try and collect as much information as they can.
1: Every fortnight, this podcast comes to you from Mariam's clinic in Chelsea. If you're looking for an honest, no holes barred approach to invasive and non-invasive cosmetic surgery,
0: then The Guinea Pig is here to help you. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Guinea Pig. I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani, And I'm
1: Fiona Golfer. Over the coming episodes, Mariam and I will be focusing on various procedures and speaking to experts in the field to give me... And you're at home. The advice we need before considering any treatment.
0: So I'm really excited to be here today with you, Fee. So we met, I don't know, a few years ago now, maybe five. Has it yes. been that long? Yes. You and saved me. No, well, you came in. I remember exactly when you came in and what you wanted. You you said this person came in and I want that. And and, story of my life, (laughs) but I think that, um, was the beginning of a really great friendship and ongoing continuing professional relationship as well in the office, as well as outside. So, for all of you listeners out there, we are going to be discussing lots of different treatments that Fee or somebody else may be trying, and we just talk about the pros and cons. It's not really an endorsement of any sort. I give my own personal and medical expertise, and Fee is who knows nothing, <laughs> who loves everything, and wants everything exactly. It's a character defect. We'll be trying a lot of these treatments. Obviously, she can't do all of them, so we might be outsourcing some of these guinea pig episodes as well. Well, but- Unsurprisingly, we have friends lined up <laughs> yeah. But I'll let Fee tell you a little bit about her background. You guys know I am a oculoplastic surgeon and an aesthetic doctor, which means I concentrate uh, around the eyes specifically and the face. I do surgery only on the eyelids and I do all the non-surgical injectables, lasers, fillers, all therapy and other treatment modalities like CO2, laser resurfacing, lots of different things, but all of it for a natural aesthetic look. And Fee mm-hmm. likes all the things that I do <laughs> more, more, more.
1: Well, actually, less, less, less yeah. is 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 the exactly. um, is the idea. But my background is that I was an editor at Vogue for twenty five years, and but before that, I was a makeup artist for ten years. So I was in the habit of looking at faces, and I had a real interest in beauty and. How women looked, you know, I automatically, if I look at a face, I kind of almost like redesign it in my, in my head. I think oh, I put this on your eyes or your skin could look better. If you do this, it's, a, it's a real reflex for me and it always has been. And when I was at Vogue, I wasn't a beauty journalist. I was a, I, I wrote about many things, but I was, my happy place was in the beauty room at Vogue. You know, it's, it's always, it's like kind of going into the kitchen in somebody's house. I was always happy talking to the beauty girls. I was always curious because of my own background and training about what had gone on and also because I'd been in the makeup room and the conversation in the makeup room is always, you know, when Botox first started happening, it was the hairdressers, and the makeup artists and the models who would talk about it. And so they would uh, refer people to who they thought was the best doctor. And I remember wanting to try Botox. It had just kind of happened. And my husband who was kind of hearing about it in a scary way, he thought said, you know, if you ever do Botox, I'm going to leave you. I didn't have the guts to say that I'd booked in the next day to sort of have a pincushion of a face frozen, which is what I actually did. I went off to a hospital the next day. I had Botox; it was such a new thing people were doing. And as I came out of the hospital, you frozen, I wasn't frozen, but it was going to kick in because, as you know, you don't yeah. freeze immediately. No, but good. I he did kind of, you know, started on my forehead and worked his way down. I mean, I was pretty well covered. Mm-hmm. I looked like a pincushion. And I came out of the hospital and we drove a very old, like a vintage car in those days. And I came out of the hospital, I was walking across to the bus stop. And I saw like in a kind of bad dream, I saw our car coming oh, over th- a hill and down the road. And I thought that's not happening. And it was my husband and my brother-in-law were in this car. And my husband got out with that kind of look on his face, like, what have you done? Oh, my God. And my brother-in-law said, are you having an affair with the doctor I was kind of, and i said yes yes <laughs> it was <laughs> <better than laughs> having anything having was special <laughs> yes it was better than having the botox so that was kind of you know and there i was with my frozen face like everybody this is maybe nearly 20 years yes. ago you know and i it, and the success was being unable to move your face unable to frown unable to you know just looking like a shiny ball basically and we've come a long way and yes. learned a lot since then but i've continued to be the
0: guinea pig <laughs> For anything going. I like Well, it's it. always an evolution, I think. I think that's the important thing to also keep in mind is that we try things. Sometimes we think something is really nice and then we come back to it a few years later and we change it because it doesn't seem so nice anymore. Kind of like that haircut you know, you get and and all of a sudden you look back at those pictures like, oh my god, what did I do to myself? You know, the same sort of thing also happens sometimes in aesthetics. But what we're going to talk about is not just cosmetic procedures. There are some things that have you know really functional. Uh, mm. Repercussions, you know, yeah. from, you know, the reasons people undergo lots of different treatments are different for everybody. Of course, we all love to make ourselves look the best that we can for the age that we are, but there's a lot of insecurities, a lot of, you know, issues that can arise from not feeling your best or not look, feeling that you look your best. So, you know, confidence self-esteem and sometimes you know physically it's it's just not an attractive look or it's painful or you know for instance breasts that are too large and somebody's having a, a breast reduction you know there are a lot of different reasons people undergo uh, aesthetic proof yeah procedures. there's all sorts of, I mean
1: we want to talk about everything from varicose veins who've been no friend to me over the years you know we were talking this morning just as we sat down to do the show about, about you know I'm trying to get a corn removed from my foot we'll be talking about what what that's like you know we'll be talking everything from from lasers to to corns to, and to everything. You know, I mean to surgical everything.
0: as well. You know, there's a lot of different things out there. It's not always actually easy for us even to differentiate. Sometimes patients come in and they tell me the name of a new laser. And I haven't heard of it because there's a lot of new lasers that come out, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a better laser or a worse laser. It just means it's something different that's out on the market. And so I think we're just trying to make it a little bit easier for you to kind of have a little bit of background education and hopefully help you along your journey and also learn something and have some fun with us too.
1: And also, Mariam, it's not just me who's guinea-picked. I mean, I I can't believe that you haven't been playing in the toy shop no, at some point. Of course you must not. have tried. I mean, Marianne, by the mm. way, looks like Angelina Jolie, as you'll see if you've not. seen our our picture. But one of the reasons that I um that I kind of built a relationship about Marianne is that I felt when I went to meet you that we were kind of like minded. Apart from anything else, I could see that under your coat you were wearing <laughs> you were wearing an outfit that I really liked. You dressed really well. You looked really well. Your makeup was really cool and light, and you weren't heavily. There was nothing artificial about the way you looked and over the years, I've met some really strange looking doctors who say, you know, I'm going to make you look better. And I'm like, not with that face, you're not (laughs) coming near me with a needle. Thank you very much. But Mariam has a look that, I mean, in a million years I couldn't look like you, but I could aspire to have the freshness or the skin or the, or even your shoes, quite frankly, I'd be, (laughs) I'd be very happy with them. And I think there's that, I think there's a kind of relatability, if that's the right word, between us. And that's why I kept coming back to you because I'm somebody who always hears about the next thing or the next person and off I go. But you and I have stayed together on this journey. Thank God for (laughs) some constants. My husband would say
0: the same, but um, (laughs) it's my two loyal relationships. Actually, it's funny you say that because today I was with my last patient and, um, We were just talking, and I said, you know, the nice thing about my job is that I don't really find it to be a job. It's really fun because I get to meet a lot of really interesting uh, women and men who come in for lots of different reasons, and I they are relatable to me. I can understand their perspective. I I see what they might want to do. So, you know, I kind of feel that there's some sort of bond and I, I, it's a it's a conversation I feel like I'm having mm. with, a, with a lot of different people. So educating one person at a time, essentially.
1: And Mariam and I go back now a few years and my husband wasn't well recently. And one of the side effects of his medication was that the muscles and his forehead dropped and his eyelids became very, very kind of droopy. So I sent him to see Mariam to see what could be done about his eyelids. And she operated on his eyelids. And that was a very interesting experience for us because he's he's in his 60s and he kind of was embarrassed. I mean, to him, he was getting his eyes done. To you, it was a medical necessity. And I think that's very interesting. Things like, you know, the idea of a man and vanity, and what is necessity, and he wouldn't have been able to see properly out of his eyes if you hadn't operated. But
0: I think actually that was his perception before. It'd be interesting to hear now afterwards what he thinks, because I think he was very nervous going in. He was really nervous. And I think he also, maybe part of that was a little bit of embarrassment, but I think now that it's over and done. He feels like Harrison Ford now, let me tell you. Yeah, well, he looks like Harrison Ford. (laughs) I bet he's been... I can't tear him away from the mirror.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but he is definitely, he's sort of surprised himself. Yes. by how thrilled he was with it. People say that 50 is the new 30. I think it, it was great for him to be able to get his eyes done. Mm-hmm. I think it gave him a real boost. I think it would be naive to think that it's not harder for, for people to grow older. So, I mean, for him, he needed it medically. He he definitely yes. did. But honestly, the boost has been incredible and the boost has taken 10 years off him. He's going to come on and talk to us about it, actually. I'm oh, making him. Robert's well, no stranger to the um, concept, my husband's Robert, by the way, to the concept that there are procedures out there that can be done because he has been living with me after all for 25 years. And part of what i did when i was at vogue was i was really happy to sort of you know i was always guinea pigging things for the magazine and it wasn't always beauty stuff i mean i went and learnt how to do synchronized swimming with the I british olympic that. team if you don't mind thank you very much and i was do you always have a video of that yes oh I uh, and to i have photographs i was fully <laughs> dressed as esther williams with a thing on my head, with the pl- and I went oh out and swam with the British Olympic team. Can you imagine? I cannot tell you how hard it is to desynchronize swimming. I can by the way, it's and
0: very hard. I thought I was quite
1: a good swimmer until I got into a pool with the British Olympic team. At which point,
0: of course, that's it was an out of
1: So I'm always happy to put myself in the front line of foolishness.
0: And also share, which I think is really important because so many people don't share their experience. So my
1: children would say I overshare, which I do. So they're right.
0: It's okay to overshare, but you know, that's part of what we want to do here as well is that we want to, we want to share our experiences and our thoughts. It's in no way to persuade you to do one thing or another or to act as medical advice. It's just a conversation between someone who loves trying and somebody who loves doing. And just we both have a very strong interest. in this area. So hopefully it will help you have better questions when you do go seek medical advice yeah. uh, for any treatments yeah. you might think of having.
1: Yeah. Some of the things over the years that I've written about, which might be interesting, we can talk about them. And actually, I think we, we'll bring some of the people who've worked on me onto the show. But, you know, I, I was researching a piece for Vogue, for example, about how to, Could could I've got fat knees. I mean, I just have. And I was I don't like my knees. I don't like my knees and I don't like my ankles. And so off I went for Vogue. I said, can I do a piece about how to make fat knees thin? And it turned out that the fat that is by on the side of my knee is muscle and it's incredibly hard to to change the shape of your knee really if yeah. it's the side bit you don't like. But whilst I was in the doctor's surgeon, I did what I always do, which is practically take all my clothes off. And I grabbed hold of a whole load of my uh, post baby tummy, which looked like a kangaroo pouch. And I said, what would you do? You know, what can I do about this? And he said, oh, we can give you a, a tummy tuck. And I just went into sort of blackout. I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. This afternoon, like, you know, I'll do it whenever. Anytime, anytime. anytime. And I I did it. I did it kind of on impulse. I wish sometimes that I thought more about it before I did it, but I'm incredibly pleased that I did do it. I also had a lower facelift because my daughter told me one day when we were Skyping that my neck looked like a vagina and I felt that that was a very good time to go and do something about that as an indication (laughs) and actually again I felt like am I doing something foolish am I one of those women is this going to go badly wrong but I well I first of all I contacted our friend Olivia who we're going to have on the show and she advised me she's in the business and that also was incredibly morally boosting for me because I'm 56 I want to look the best I can look. I do. Sorry, you know. We all do. Yeah. And I want my face. I want my wrinkles. I want my, I want my- Expressions. The life that I've lived to live in my face. But I don't want a vagina hanging down my chin. I just don't, you know. And if there's a way of getting rid of it, and that's what I want to save my money up for, that's what I wanted to do.
0: Having said that, you also went to two very good surgeons. Yep. So, you know, impulsive treatments are not ideal generally. And that's why they're cooling off periods. They weren't so impulsive. I mean, you did have to schedule surgery. With my neck, back. I
1: definitely gave it a lot more thought. I think with my tummy years ago, you again, I was, I was more impulsive than, I, than I've learned to be. And I, again, I think that's what we're here to do, which yes. is to really, really encourage you guys Listening to go and see a few people, take advice. I mean, Mariam is the person who now kind of you know she is my restraint. She's like, think about things before you do it, and I've learned I've learned to do that. I really think about it and I really weigh up my options.
0: I always think in in sort of any sort of treatment that you have, especially when you go down a surgical route, is that. You know, complications are low generally with a lot of these aesthetic procedures or non-aesthetic, you know, just in terms of uh, cosmetic surgery or uh, treatments, but you always have to think sometimes there are complications and while they're rare, you have to be thinking, well, would it be okay if I had something minor and, you know, it wasn't absolutely perfect because sometimes things do go wrong and, you know, someone out there is the statistic. So. For me, I think it's always really important to be like, you know, what I, I'm okay if it's not perfect because where it is right now is I'm really, I really don't like it. So you know, that's sort of the mentality that I have, and that's why I think less is always more because you always want to retain how you look. Well,
1: you say few, you you, you say have treatments more regularly. Yes. But less obvious. Less obvious. (laughs) If something is worrying me after a treatment or a tweakment, I I email you and you email me right back and you tell me don't worry or take an antihistamine or, you know, if if my skin reacts, which of course it can do. Yes. And then when I hear about, you know, people going into high street, chains to have procedures it just makes my blood run cold because well who are they going to call if it goes wrong who's going to look after them if there's a side effect you know it's just a really really brave move to me for somebody to go in without doing really knowing their stuff
0: well I think that's the other thing too is that sometimes you're not you know, in terms of quality, you're you're paying for someone's expertise, not just in the treatment, but in the follow-up afterwards. So if you have a complication, you know, you need to be able to trust the doctor that you have or the practitioner that you have is capable of treating that complication and you as a whole, not misdiagnosing it, which can be horrendous and really have devastating implications. But, you know, just to be able to say, well, this is what we're going to do. We can do this and this and this, or can we reverse this, or we need to do this. I think it's really important. It's, it's, it's almost for the expertise and the complications as much as it is for the actual treatment itself.
1: And do you think that you have to really still say to women, okay, you've had enough, I'm not doing more. Do you get a lot of that?
0: I I think that's definitely a smaller number of people, but I also think that that might be that there are some people who like to look a certain way and there are some doctors who treat people in a certain way. And so as my reputation and my opinion is more a more natural look, I feel that that almost extends over into my practice. So the people who want to just have tweakments, I love that word, for instance, tweakments are the ones who come to me rather than wanting to have the very done look. So people who have the very done look, sometimes they might see me a couple of times, but because I try and slow them down and they're not happy to slow down, they they might end up going elsewhere, which is, which is okay with me.
1: We were saying earlier that we really like the word pro-aging rather than anti-aging because, you know, got to age. It's a fact, nothing I can do about that, but I'd like to age well. And I think pro-aging is a very good
0: example. I think that's a brilliant word. So that's what
1: we're helping you all to do. Pro age. (laughs) Pro
0: age. So I'm super excited for you to be doing this with you. I have a few ideas I'm going to ponder over the next few days on what we can do to uh, help with the pro aging aspect. So, Fiona, I'm going to let you know in the next episode what we're going to try out. Do you I'm want you, very excited. Do you want to know beforehand or do you want to no, wait? I don't.
1: I want it to be a surprise like okay. Christmas morning.
0: Okay, excellent. So tune in to the next episode of The Guinea Pig.
1: If you have any questions out there that you'd like us or our expert guests to answer, then drop us a line at theguineapigpod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. The Guinea Pig provides unbiased information to those who may be considering cosmetic surgery or even trialing a non-invasive treatment or product. We do not endorse the use of any product or procedure featured in this podcast and are not responsible for the outcome of any of the treatments featured on this podcast or damage caused in connection with any treatments or products. Should you decide to try any of the procedures, treatments or products mentioned in any episode of The Guinea Pig, you do so at your own risk. Always consult an independent and fully qualified medical professional if you are considering embarking on a medical procedure irrespective of whether it's an invasive or non-invasive procedure.